The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following program belong solely to the host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of this radio station, our parent company, advertisers, or affiliates. Welcome to Sharing Our Stories. We share stories of support for individuals in recovery from substance misuse and mental health-related issues. There are numerous pathways to recovery, and each week we welcome powerful leaders and role models who have struggled in drug and or alcohol addiction, have found a pathway to recovery, and who thrive as positive community members with an ongoing vision of success. Join us as we share our experiences, strength, and hope. When the world says, give up, hope whispers. Try it one more time. Good morning, Mile High, and welcome back to sharing our stories here on Jammin' 115 and Flow 1071. If this is your first time tuning in, sharing our stories is a program about addiction and recovery. My name is Slim, along with my co-host, Tomas Hernandez, and we come in here each week and bring in a guest to talk about their life and to talk about their journey from addiction to recovery. We do this program because we believe that, yes, we all do recover. There is a pathway to your recovery. So, if you're somebody who is suffering an addiction or you have a friend or a family member or a loved one who is dealing with addiction, we hope that by listening to this program, you will find that, yes, recovery is possible and maybe find the way to begin your pathway to your recovery. So thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for tuning in. We've got a great guest. Her name is Chelsea Secord from Aurora, Colorado. She is going to be our, our speaker this morning. But before we turn it over to Chelsea, let's say good morning to Tomas Hernandez from Tribe Recovery Homes, my co-host and friend. Tomas, good morning. How are you? Good morning, everybody. I hope everybody's feeling good this morning. And if you're hungover, I hope it hurts a lot. Yeah, that's right. A lot. I, you know what? I agree with that. Me and Tomas <laughs> have been beefing a lot lately. And that's what happens between brothers where you just begin to have a relationship where all you do is talk smack to each other. So for the previous 15 minutes that we've been here before you guys heard us, we've just been giving each other a hard time. So are you done now picking on me or can we begin? I was pro- talking about people that drank too much on a Saturday. You know what I mean? Just, just you get you gotta hear the message of recovery right now, and it's gonna be it's, a little bit. Promise you, absolutely, that's not what he was saying about me before this program. He was saying all kinds uh, of mean, derogatory things to not. me, calling me names, and so I just wanted to see if he would continue. Now that we're on the radio this morning, or if he I was can, gonna... <laughs> but. But Tomas is a wonderful guy, and he actually runs uh, Tribe Recovery Homes. He is the uh, founder, the president, the CEO, the chief man in charge. Tell everybody what Tribe Recovery Homes is. Hey, everybody. Tribe Recovery Homes is a grassroots nonprofit with a for-profit leg to it with the treatment center. We're a re-entry program that specializes on addiction and recovery, mental health, and getting yourself independency to go. Like Our guest today is a beautiful, beautiful example of that, and a sister-brother program uh, Hazelbrook that does basically the same thing with their own flavor on it. So to speak to that, which is tribe is, is we are the last house on the block. Um, organizations like us, we take Medicaid. We help you with the judicial system. We make sure if you ain't got nothing, you're wore out by the families. Families ain't messing with you no more. You ain't got nothing but a phone number or a website to get on. Call us and we're going to help you figure it out. And if you can't figure it out with us, we're going to go with a community partner that can help you do that. Um, basics about it is you got to have the willingness to change you got to have the heart you got to be sick and tired of being sick and tired and just ready to go that's all that's all that we need you don't even need to have medicaid when you walk in through the door we'll figure that out for you Mm -hmm. if you don't know your probation officer your parole officer that well and you got to turn yourself in we'll figure that out for you if you got detox you got to figure out detox you don't know where to start we'll figure that out for you just do the application on www.triberecoveryhomes.com or call us at 720-608-7423 and we'll do the rest man i love you bro like that was an inspirational speech right there thank you like for real. I told you I wasn't just sitting over here. He was just trying to give me a bad name, man. <laughs> no, I was just trying Whatever. to get you. Whatever, I was just trying man. to get you pumped no, up. No, I was saying some stuff. And you were, I was saying some stuff. And you were stuff. absolutely being mean to me before we started man. this program. You were picking on me like you always do. You just think because you're bigger and you have tattoos He's on your taller. head. I am taller. That's why I can see the tattoos on the top of your head. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, a guy that comes with flames on the top of his head is going to have something wise to say to you. 
Oh, man, you're my brother. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate what you do for this city. Mile High Tribe Recovery Homes is the sponsor of this program, sharing our stories. And this morning, we're going to be turning it over to Chelsea Secord from Aurora, Colorado. And uh, she's going to talk to you about her journey, her, her struggles with addiction and her pathway to her recovery. And um, I, I, I don't think we've ever had a woman with more cool muscles in this building right. than Chelsea. Yeah. And freaking awesome. You got me over here like, I need to just get in the gym already. Sold already, right? You, you, you haven't even said anything. <laughs> yes, you haven't even said anything yet. And I'm like, I trust in you. I put myself in your hands. Like, let's roll. Let's do it. Um, Mile High, we're going to pass go. this over to Chelsea. And uh, she is our guest this morning on Sharing Our Stories. Please turn it up and listen to Chelsea Secord from Aurora, Colorado. Thank you for being here. All right. Well, thank you guys, first and foremost, for having me. It truly is a pleasure and a blessing to be able to share my story because um, honestly, it makes it all worthwhile. You know, all the hard stuff that uh, I went through, um, that all the pain that I caused or was caused, um, it makes it all worthwhile to be able to turn it around. So um, I will start it off with apologizing ahead of time. I am three days out from my first bodybuilding show, so my brain is mush. And if I'm all over the place, I do apologize. I'm going to try to uh, keep it to the important things and uh, hit some of that hope head on. Um, I'll probably start with a little bit of the current where I'm at today and then probably backtrack a little bit to how things started and how they led to the present. Um, So currently, um, I am coming up on six years clean. I know no fronts. July 10th uh, from 2017 is my clean date. Um, I currently um, am the programs manager down at Hazelbrook Community Center in conjunction with Hazelbrook uh, Sober Living Homes. Um, I also uh, work in the prisons kind of as a case manager for uh, Community uh, Connections Program. It's a, like a precursor to the Wages Program. So long story short, it is uh, a program that helps prisoners uh, reintegrate into society um, and have somewhat of a parole plan and get that mindset right. Um, I truly do love that work because I think as early on as we can catch it, um, it, it helps. And, you know, I tell all my people on the inside and on the outside, but when I was getting clean, you know, and I, I did lots of time in and out, um, I had all these resources that were provided for me, but until I started caring and loving myself, caring about myself, you could hand me all the resources in a nice packaged bowed box and I'd tell you to shove it, you know? So my bread and butter is uh, really finding what makes people tick and why they quit ticking to make themselves love themselves again before they leave so they can accept the help and the resources when they get out. Um, and then um, at the community center, um, I teach a free fitness class that's uh i try to just make sure people know it's not just a fitness class we tie in a little bit of fitness um we do a little bit of yoga and mindfulness at the end uh quieting the mind and then we have a recovery topic so the beauty is while you have the natural endorphins and serotonin flowing from the workout you talk about recovery and as they're floating through the door all those pieces mesh and cement together and they have this positive view of fitness and recovery so it it really is a beautiful thing um so that and then I do some outreach stuff to people that can't come to us. Um, I go to a couple places. Uh, shout out to Bridge House, ready to work. It's one of the places I visit. Um, I also go to my home, um, my place of saving, which uh, it was formerly known the Haven. Unfortunately, they they closed down the Haven, um, aka Pier One for the men. Um, it is still reflections for women, and I still go back for the nostalgia of of what it was and and to give back uh, what I can to whom I can. But um, the, for those that don't know, uh, the Haven and Pier 1 is known to be the hardest treatment center slash halfway house slash behavior modification in the country. And it was. It was one of the hardest things I ever did. Um, I was there in-house for about 17 months, uh, another four months on the next house, which was a couple houses down on the next phase, then another year and a half as a, uh, for a tail to complete my uh, treatment and, and parole. And um, that place saved my life. It was one of the hardest things that I, I, I did. And, you know, Tomas and I were just talking about how, um, you know, 
getting people help, you know, I see a lot of these one month programs, two month programs, you know, 30 uh, 90 day programs. And for me, <laughs> I was one of those special characters. I didn't even scratch the surface of behaviors and things I needed to see for the first six months. So I'm so grateful for uh, the length of time that I was there and the things that I got to see about myself and have the opportunity to change. I'm forever grateful to that program. Um, my husband also went through that program, the Pier One program, um, and, uh, you know, it saved his life. And between both of us, you know, we, uh, God, there's not many of us left years later. We both left me four years ago, him about five years ago. And there's maybe a handful of us that are left, unfortunately, um, that are either alive or not back in prison. But the ones that are, man, they're the closest closest people to me uh shout out to some of my ot sisters out there Jeannie, ginger um hanani uh lisa megan all you guys are doing great things out there and i love you um so strong cast yeah she's named off that's your ot's they some of them were my my ot some of them were my my same uh, group what does ot stand for uh orientation status so it's uh it's the make or break time for a lot of people when you first get in it's uh I could sit here and have a whole other podcast describing what the Haven and Pier One is. It's uh, it's military boot camp on steroids. Um, it, it's insane. It's insane. To put into perspective, I remember uh, a month or so in, I had this girl come in who she was on a ten year sentence. She'd already served a flat five. Judge said she was going to serve another flat five if she didn't complete this sentence. She walked in. She was there for maybe a couple weeks. She went and sat on bus step and she said, "F this. Send me back to do the rest of the five. Like that's how hard this place was. Um, but we were hard people. Like we went through hard stuff. It, it doesn't, you don't change those kind of behaviors overnight. And, um, but you know, I think that's kind of what's helped me, um, really be, um, very, um, good at, at a wide demographic of people is because I can identify with behaviors and empathize and, um, really get to the root with people about why they're not ticking, right? So, but anyway, so we'll go back to the start. I'll start there. So we'll start where all of this manifestation started for me or what my my version of it is and what I see. So long story short, and this will all tie into the fitness and the muscles you'll see later. So um, I remember as early as being six, seven years old, um, struggling with weight and struggling with um, loving myself and, and not feeling adequate. And I was an obese little kid. Um, and you know, my, my parents were not, my dad and my mom loved me. I grew up in a decent, uh, this separate household, but decent household. Um, but my, my dad, you know, especially was, uh, the type that definitely made, uh, comments, um, about certain people and his judgments about people. And I always identified with not feeling like I was enough, you know, and I remember as early as eight, um, asking for slim fast to get slim fast to lose weight and then trying to force myself to do sit-ups. And, uh, you know, that led into a couple of years later, um, you know, after obsessing, I was 11 years old and I'll never forget this. It was like yesterday I was watching a documentary and, um, there was this actress I liked who was talking about how she had smoked speed tried speed for the first time and how she lost all this weight and uh i didn't stick around to hear how it ruined her life and how she went to jail and all this stuff i just heard how fast what she used i went to the phone i called this guy i'd smoked pot with once and i asked him can you get me speed i got twenty dollars and he said chelsea do you know what you're asking for and i said look dude i don't need the dad talk can you get it from me or what and um within a week I was using methamphetamine to lose weight. And of course, yes, the addiction of the, the substance was being created, but more so for me and where the behaviors were created, I was getting addicted to losing weight and that instant gratification uh, very, very hard. And uh, that went on for several years until um, I was about 17 and obviously dabbled with other stuff, but meth was always my, my true and told just because uh, of what it was doing for me, I thought. And um, I, uh, I got sick of seeing all my, for those that can't see air quotations, my friends and acquaintances going to prison and dying from this lifestyle that we chose. I grew up off of like Colfax and Peoria. So it was, you know, you, you, you go out pretty quick when you're dabbling in that life. And um, so I got sick of seeing all of them go out like that. So I quit using meth and um, I used to boast about it. I, I didn't need treatment. I didn't need no program. Um, I just quit. And 
essentially, I went on to be a functional alcoholic and a pothead for nine years. Um, I did get myself out of the bad neighborhood. I put myself through college. Um, I went on to be a surgical scrub nurse for like six years. I got married. Um, I had a child. I had what on the outside seemed like a decent keeping up with the Joneses, like normal life. But the problem was, is that I never dealt with the layers of the onion of what was making me use anything outside of myself in from the beginning i just stuffed it and uh like i said became a functional alcoholic and a a pill head and a pothead and um the perfect storm arose and this is why i say this um i put emphasis on this the people places and things that you hear about so hardcore because this perfect storm arose from that um my best friend at the time who she'd also quit using with me nine years before meth. Um, she was going through a divorce. She had relapsed two weeks before. I didn't know on meth. And um, so I'd had my baby. I was on maternity leave. I went back in. I went. I got pulled into the office for what I thought was the raise I'd asked for before I'd left. And I got fired from this job. Now, keep in mind, at the same time during this pregnancy, I'd put on 120 some odd pounds. So at the end of my pregnancy, I was about 253 pounds. I am five foot two on a good day. So it was a lot of weight that coupled with getting fired, my husband and I not doing well, um, and then calling my best friend um, that day I got fired and going to the bar and drinking right away. So my inhibitions were skewed. That perfect storm led me to when she said, it's okay, Chelsea, I got something that'll make you feel better. Come over nine years like that. I relapsed on meth and instant gratification. It wasn't even so much the drug. It was that I started to lose weight fast and that old familiar friend crept back in and um, did that for a week or two. And then I was like, what are you doing? You know, you have this brand new baby. You need to get a job. Like you have a family, like you can't do this. You can't go down this road. So I quit. I got a harder job at a different hospital on a harder uh, level on the brain and neuro team. And I was working my butt off and uh, I was tired and I was overworked and I was stressed out. And after about three months, you know, in the back of my head, I turned on that demon, never talked to anybody about it, never t- told my husband that I'd relapsed, you know, just kind of swept it under the rug. And this little demon in the back of my head was like, you know, it'll, you know, it'll keep you going. You know, it'll make you feel better. So once again, I relapsed and um, I tried to keep it at bay. Uh, for a couple months, but it, it snowballed fast. And uh, before you knew it, you know, I'd lost that job. My husband and I were separating. Um, I was losing everything and uh, it got really bad really fast. And I went from having those things and that people and all that stuff to um, I started messing around with this guy. Um, I was dealing for this guy who uh, was this 18th Streeter from California, you know, tattoos all over the face. I remember looking at him, I was like, yeah. It looks like something that could probably cause some trouble. I want to mess around with you. And um, so, you know, I was dabbling with him for a couple of years and uh, picked up some of my first felonies. I was in and out, bonding out. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm this little white girl that can turn on, you know, the whiteness if I needed to, quote unquote, or go back to my hood roots of Colfax and Peoria. So it just extended me being able to manipulate. And um, I kept getting myself out. But I, it, all I would do is get out and get in more trouble. And uh, the end of this little rodeo led to, um, you know, me picking up charges, but I was out on bond again. And um, this is one of my first spiritual awakenings that you hear about. And um, I don't talk about this a lot, but I think it's important. Um, this guy uh, that I was messing around with, um, he, he was he was crazy. Uh, he, he'd just gotten done doing 17 years uh, for, for almost murdering this girl. He was crazy. And uh, one night, you know, some stuff happened, and, and uh, I won't get into details, but he almost murdered me. And... Um, in the middle of all this, um, I remember like praying to God, you know, if you get me out of this one more time, I want to live. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And I remember towards the end of this, um, you know, I picked up a new habit along the way. I started dipping into what I was selling, which was heroin. And um, at the end of this, um, I remember being in this very numb place of, of not wanting to kill myself, but not wanting to live or exist, if that makes sense, right? I was like brought up, you know, a Southern Catholic, like suicide's not, it's not what we do. But I remember just feeling like I, I could be cool if I don't wake up. And that, that's a pretty miserable place to be. And I remember when I almost got that wish and I was in the midst of all that happening, I just, I prayed to God. I was like, you get me out of this. Like, I'm done. I, I want to live. And it was the day before my daughter's second birthday that this was happening. And I remember thinking like, God, she, no one's going to know what happened to me. I'm going to miss her birthday. And it's because of this. And everyone's just going to think it's because I'm some worthless addict, you know? 
And um, <clears throat> so anyways, I, uh, I got out of that and uh, made it to my daughter's birthday. I'm a hot mess. And um, but I couldn't quit using. Right. That's that's the insanity of this life and of addiction is that even though all this had happened and I wanted out, I couldn't stop using. So I got enough <laughs> to go and isolate in this this camper I was living in in the back of a church and uh, I was just going to isolate and I was going to figure it out and uh, God wasn't going to let that happen so some crazy you know event happened got picked up on a random warrant that wasn't for me and uh, got locked up and my bond got pulled and I was on a no bond hold and um, and I was done and I remember like waking up in jail just grateful that it was over like I kind of had this sense that it was over you know and um, I still had stuff on me but that lasted for, you know, a week or so. And I remember when I ran out and I woke up, I got down on my knees in my cell and I prayed. I was looking at 12 years in prison and um, I hadn't prayed on my knees in forever. And actually, that's what this tattoo is right here. I um, the It's a, a tattoo of, uh, you know, that picture of Michelangelo and God and the fingertips are almost touching. And I was praying on my knees and I remember having this envisionment of God grabbing my hand. And I, I told him, if you grab my hand one more time, I'll never let go. I'll never let go. And um, I, there was that spiritual awakening again. And um, that's when things changed. And I knew things were different. And uh, when I was in jail, you know, um, waiting to see what was going to happen, um, I started researching like different religions and how to meditate and how to be mindful. And I started working out. That's like the biggest thing, right? I, I started, I was like, well, shoot, man, if, uh, if I'm going to have all this time, like I might as well put it to good use. So, let's do something you've never done before. And I started working out and trying to eat as healthy as I could. And it took me like 30 minutes to collect all my, all my food. I'm like, all right, I'm going to trade you my cookies for your salad at night. I'm going to trade you some coffee for your, your chicken. I'm going to trade you this and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would take me 30 minutes to collect. So I was trying to eat as healthy as I could in, in there. And, uh, and I, I worked out as hard as I could. And the guards, they were super cool. They saw me trying to, to figure out how to work out. I'd never worked out a day in my life. And they would sneak me in men's health magazines. And they're like, here, c just, just do this. Try, try and do this. So I, I'd figure it out and then I'd, I'd go with the, the girls in there and I'd, I'd practice on them. And I had this epiphany. I was like, oh my God, this is what I've been looking for. For 20 some odd years, I'd been looking for fitness and just being healthy. This was the high I'd been searching for this whole time was just eating right and being healthy. And um, I remember just thinking, this is this is it. Like, this is my new future is, is going to be something in health and fitness. So uh, fast forward. By the grace of God, I got one more shot with a badass lawyer and I got to go to the Haven instead um, and do that treatment program. And, um, you know, I obsessed over it in there. And uh, my my first job there at the treatment center was uh, a janitor in a gym at Crunch Fitness. And um, I held out for jobs. I remember everybody was getting on me because they're like, take this job. This one's good money. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, I got to work in a gym. I knew that I, w- I couldn't afford a gym membership. I knew I couldn't afford a trainer. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, I had to work in a gym somehow. I just need to get my foot in the door. That's all I needed. And uh, so I got this this porter position. And I remember when I walked into that, that, that job interview, my boss, she thought it was crazy. I was all dressed up. I put my, my heels um, in my purse and I, like I because I had to take the bus and I had to take a bike and I rode up there and then I changed out into my my from my tennis shoes to my heels and I walked up and I had a cover letter I had a resume I had the whole shebang and she's looking at me all crazy she's like you know what you're applying for right you know what a porter is I'm like yeah janitor she's like yeah she's like you know how much this pays right and I was like yeah do I get to work out of my lunch right and she's like yeah your old job before this was in a hospital making really good money you sure <laughs> Yeah, you're like, do you have any, like, is the position still open? And she's like, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't really think we need to go any further. You want the job? I was like, done. And um, I'm telling you, dude, I loved that job. I didn't realize till later in to the job how much I needed that job. Because even though um, I was out of the uh, commission for a while, like, and I had a, a, a real life job before, when you're inside, you know, you get a little bit institutionalized and um, it's overwhelming when you come out. And I needed that kind of a job. I say this because, I, you know, with the people I work with in recovery now, they all want to get out. They want to go fast. They want to make the money. They want to get the cars. They want to get the dude. They want to get the chick. And it's like, take your time. There's steps to this. And if you bypass the, the process, you're going to miss it. And you're not going to succeed, most likely, because you can't bypass this process. So, you know, as this janitor, I, I got to, to sweep and mop and tune in and, and listen to my thoughts and, like, really just, it, it, it worked for me. And another benefit was I would get as close as I could to the trainers in their session, and I would I'd listen, and I'd learn, like, all right, they're doing this. 
and I go do it on my lunch. And then I go back and I watch them again. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do that one next. And I go back in my lunch and I do it again. And then finally they saw me trying. So they're like, Chelsea, you're messing this all up. Like, let me, let me, let me just help you. You're embarrassing yourself, you know? So I got free training. And the girls at the place, they'd make fun of me. They're like, you want to clean a toilet for $11, $11 an hour. And um, I was like, yeah, dude, I love this job. And in my head, I was thinking, you may see it as $11 an hour. I see it as an investment. Like I'm, I'm making money right now. Like I'm in a, um, I'm in a, uh, like an educational learning process right now. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm prepping for my next job. And I, I had another one of those like aha moments. I was cleaning blank on a, on a toilet and I, I was smiling from ear to ear and I was so happy with this job and I felt like a crazy person. I was like, Oh my God, am I, am I losing it? Like I'm, I'm so content and humble and happy. And I'm like, ah, dude, like life's cool. If this is all that it is, I'm cool with it. I know it's not, but if this is all that it is, I can live with this. I'm, I'm happy. And, um, it was within three months. I went to the front desk within one month. I was the assistant manager within another month. I was the general manager of that club within another month. I was the general manager of several clubs. And, um, that's where I met Mr. Tomas getting him, uh, back into his fitness stuff. And I was, you know, just, I, I was thinking big. I was like, I remember telling my boss, I was like, you know, recovery is a big world. We could probably get out there to these sober living homes. I could sell memberships. I was, I was in sales, you know, I was like, I could, I could get this guys for some memberships. We can get some personal training. Maybe I can go and do some group fitness there. Like I, that's what I wanted to do. And, uh, so I was making all these cold calls to all these recovery places, trying to like, you know, intertwine what I wanted to do. And I, I just kept, um, just kept on the horn and then you know i was doing pretty good and um covid hit and uh it sent me back home i was in the springs at this time managing that club and it sent me back home and uh reevaluate my goals which is cool i needed that break because i've been going hard since i got out and i got to i I'll, you'll ne- i'll never have that experience again to be able to to be with my daughter that i missed out you know three three years four years and be with her and my mom and uh, I worked out man my tree in my front yard I went to Home Depot and I got two prongs I drilled a holes into them and I made it a squat rack just these two prongs and I borrowed some sorry guys I borrowed some gym equipment and uh, and it became my squat rack and um, I just kept going it was wonderful um, so anyways, and then, you know, we opened back up and it wasn't the same and it was a struggle and um, I remember realizing around that time that um and I fought it because I don't like change, you know, I, 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 and I wasn't listening to my higher power, but um, I was outgrowing this. Like it served its purpose. It served its time for me, but I, I was meant for bigger things. And uh, it kept getting more and more uncomfortable. And I didn't like my it's not that I didn't like my job. I just wasn't as filled by it anymore. And um, I remember having a panic attack with my now husband. We were just dating at the time. But uh, he's like, you know why don't you just do something different? Like, and I, I dabbled in the idea of recovery. We had some friends. So my husband and I ride, uh, well, see, I'm squirreling cause I'm three days out and I'm exhausted. No carbs, no sleep. But, uh, we ride with a sober motorcycle club. Shout out to the sober souls, uh, another cool Avenue in recovery. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we were just dating at the time and the recovery world, a lot of our people, um, you know, Sarah and Michael Hornbuckle, um, shout out to those guys, you know, and, uh, Aaron Zen Mount, um, Scott at Transitions, all these people I was, I was really looking up to. And I was like, you know, I like what they're doing over there. They're helping people in recovery. And I want to be a part of that. How can I intertwine this fitness thing in recovery? Like, that was still on my, on my mind, right? So I started looking into that and peer coaching and all this stuff. And um, it was then um, my now boss, Gino, Gino Shvedev, um, with Hazelbrook Sober Livings. Uh, we happened to meet, um, I think I met him at a, at a meeting, like a 12-step meeting. And we were friends on Facebook. And he'd posted something saying, uh, hey, does anybody have any uh, punching bags for this community center I'm about to open up? up for addicts and recovery and I just happened to have a couple of them in the back that we weren't using and I was like hey dude if you want to come pick these up they're yours so we started talking and he started talking about this community center he was opening it up and uh, it was going to be free grant funded or, or uh, um, donation funded and, and it was going to be all free for addicts and recovery and the more, I was like do you have staff yet and he's like no no we're just starting out and so this is all free this is what this is and it just it sounded too good to be true and the more we talked I was like dude if this is real, I'll quit my job right now. <laughs> I'll come run this place for you. And he's like, all right, bet. You just got to get your peer coaching license. I had $453 in my bank account. The peer coaching class was $400. In the middle of the night in the parking lot with this guy, I don't know, I zelled it to him for this peer coaching class and, and listened to my higher power that this is what I was supposed to do. And I, I had 53 bucks to my name. 
and I took the class in a couple of weeks, and then um, within you know a couple of weeks, because I, I don't trust, and I'm, I'm always a control freak. I was doing both jobs for like six months, you know. So I was, I was doing personal training over here, and then also uh, doing this community center thing over here, and it was, it was becoming too much. And I remember talking to myself, Chelsea, you gotta, you gotta make a choice. So I, uh, yeah. I, I quit Crunch, and I went over full time over to the community center, and um, and I haven't looked back, and I love it. Um, to be able to give back what's been given to me when it comes to um, not just health and fitness, like that's a huge piece, it is, but the bigger picture is um, a sense of belonging, a sense of well-being, a sense of um, self-care and self-love to people, um, men and women, like that's huge, you know? because a lot, most people who are abusing substances, um, they don't love themselves for many reasons. So being able to to find that why and help people turn that back on, like that's so cool. Um, so you know that's uh, that's kind of where I went with that. And um, today, you know, just trying to kind of get uh, as involved as I can in um, the community in any aspect of how I can help people. Um, and make my story worthwhile because, you know, I did a lot of messed up things. I hurt a lot of people, including myself, and, and, and I was hurt too, but it, it makes it so all of that time's not wasted. It's not lost. It's not for naught. It's uh, even when I was taking on the prison job, you know, with the, the LCCL, the WAGCCP, it was like the more... <laughs> The more felonies and the more messed up stuff I had, it was like credentials. Tell them what those acronyms mean. Uh, so the wages is work and gain um, education services. And then CCP is going to be community connections program. It's like the precursor to wages. Um, and what does that do? What, what what does that job entail? And just in like, you know, a couple of sentences, mm-hmm. what do you do for them? So uh, wages is going to be post-release um, for people that are on parole. The moment you walk out the door, you're eligible to be a wages participant. Um, in long story short, they have a ton of funding to help you with whatever it is that you need. Um, that's like main overhauls that they want to help you uh, bridge the gap of what you want for your success and recovery. Um, and I say recovery loosely. When I say recovery, it could be from substances, it could be from abuse, it could be from trauma, it could be from being incarcerated for a long time. Like recovery, I say very loosely, everybody's recovering from something, right? So um, wages will help you get to the other side of that and fill in those gaps that maybe be overwhelming in the beginning phases. Housing's a big one, housing's huge. It's a huge need that we need right now in funding for houses. Um, and then for employment supplies, um, CDLs, I've seen them pay for CDLs, and those are expensive. Um, and then, so my job as a CCP case manager, it was a pilot program that we started about a year ago or so um, that's like a precursor to ages. So I start before you leave prison. I get to come in and help you learn about these things um, before you leave because w- with the numbers and the statistics, we lose, I, I think I could be wrong about this, about 70 to 80% of people within the first three days of, of release. So if you can get inside and get that ball rolling and that thought process rolling and the education rolling about what they can do it might change the statistics about who's going to make it through the door of wages and okay so i'm sitting in crowley right now Mm -hmm. i just got done doing six years you're in front of me you're doing the presentation Mm -hmm. i said hey chelsea i love hazelbrook i love what you're doing i got friends there how can I be down with wages? What do I got to do? Tell me, tell me how that process works to get into Hazelbrook. How do we how do we get that done through a wages perspective? Sure. So, and this is where it gets it can be um, a little confusing. So I try to keep it as um, basic as possible. But when it comes to wages or CCP, you can get involved with us. Um, you can have your own CCP case manager, and you can have a separate wages case manager, depending on your desire and your location. That's kind of what I, I, I find out. It's like, where do you want to be? Where do you have roots and homes? And uh, do you have a parole that you need to go to a certain location? Sure. That's where I'll start asking the questions about where to refer you for a wages person outside. If we so can't it's location-based? It can be location-based, okay. yes. Um, and then with me, um, I can be your case manager inside a CCP. And let's say we're in Denver, right? But you are getting paroled to Colorado Springs um, and you want to use um, 
I'm trying to think who who else is out there for Denver Springs. Denver, Denver Springs yeah, works. as a yep. Denver, Denver works. works. Um, Denver works as a, a wages person. I can do a warm handoff. I can start with you as a case manager inside, yeah. and we, or you could stay consistent and stay with Hazelbrook through there. Awesome. Um, and then from there, um, after I find just the basics, I like to do a very non formal of just a sit down for like five ten minutes and find out who you are and why you're here and what you want and what you want to do differently because if I don't know who you are like I said it doesn't matter where we put you it doesn't matter what I you're offer you you're not going to succeed nope so I try to I, within five minutes I try to gain that trust absolutely and that's a real important thing everybody that's listening I've been a wages case manager for Lifeline I have plenty of them on the wages case case management on at Tribe and we work hand in hand with Hazel Brooks uh, Second Chance Center you name it we're all in the same LCCL, yeah. which is a Latino coalition that gets the funding for the wages program. But we want to know if you're serious. If you're inside and yep. you're thinking about this, don't waste the resources because the person behind you is very serious. Yep. Yep. If you're ready to go, you want to change your yep. life, sign up. Yep. But if you're looking for a parole plan to go out there, there's plenty of ways to get out there besides using wages. Because yep. what's going to happen is, is, even if you don't care, you're going to care later because you just wasted your opportunity if you need it Mm -hmm. when you get caught by parole messing up so Mm -hmm. we try to make you understand or have the conversation so you do understand not make you so you make that conscious choice to make that decision this is a volunteering program this is not something that's mandated to you so when you're sitting in front of chelsea or ginger or anybody that's in front of you that's talking about this situation they're there out of experience strike the hope to help you figure it out if you're listening to any part of that story mm-hmm. everybody listening please go on our website and rewind and you'll you'll find out the heart and soul of chelsea on why yeah it's done and i will say too so i'm not a i'm not a free-for-all either like i'm very kind and very sweet and i will give you the last dollar in my pocket and i will help you at four o'clock in the morning yeah. however with this program it is an incentive-based program yeah, so it's not just i'm going to give you a gift card or i'm going to give you some free stuff i you're going to do some work for it you're going to show me that you're invested. And so that's why after that five, 10 minute conversation of figuring out who you are and what makes you tick, I'm going to then typically what I've been doing on the inside is I'm going to assign you something, whether that be go find some self-help stuff that I know about. Let's say a 12 step book, right? Yeah. Go read chapter 11. Bring back to me. What did that speak to you on? Right. Almost like sponsorship stuff, right? Bring me back. What did that speak to you? Highlight some of these pages for me and bring back. What did you get from this? Bring back five spiritual principles that that you felt heartfelt about. Bring me back five character defects that you've been struggling with this week. I love that. That's kind of like, I don't know if you ever heard the Jamarcus Russell story. Mm -mm. So when he got drafted by the Raiders, they gave him a a tape. They said, we need you to, to go out and we need you to do a report on this on this uh, this tape mm. and tell us how, how the how the defenses are split and how this mm. is going, how you like the plays, all that stuff. He came back the next day and he said it was beautiful. I love it. Everything that's happening. They went to the office and they brought him back in about ten minutes later and Black said, Yo, Jamarcus, that's a blank tape. Mm. You know, so you gotta check where your water's at on <laughs> yep. that. You know? <laughs> yep. So and that's what I love about all you wages case managers yeah. as you keep it there because Hassan was the pioneer when we first started this and he would just come in there big Muslim man and be like yo him and Sean Taylor would be like mm. don't waste my time yep. don't waste these people my brother don't waste these valuable these valuable resources we fight very hard to get these resources so you got to make sure that you're making the conscious choice to come join this and what I love about it when he says is join the SCC family mm-hmm. we don't play and Hassan is from the Second Chance Center correct yes sir mm-hmm. yeah yeah, it's a, it's a really cool program. And, I, and I, you know, this happened uh, last week. I saw the fruits of my labor kind of spreading. It was up in uh, Sterling. So I had these guys I've been working with uh, via Zoom. And um, a lot of them bought in. Like, they, they're buying into this recovery thing. And uh, it's given them something to do besides just be in their heads and not just wait for the next meeting with the next case manager, with the next parole officer with me like I'll give them these assignments and the uh, the parapro told me he's like before we, we got the other guys in the room he's like Chelsea I want you to know it's working he's like I didn't assign anything to these guys they came and checked out these 12 step books they're hosting meetings out in the yard they're doing all this stuff they're trying to figure it out on their own and they're they're talking and they're doing step work and so, stuff together so understand everybody that's your specialty is planting seeds yeah. so like just from my own experience with Chelsea 
she called me to get everybody signed up for a gym. Everybody calls me to get signed up for something. You know, when you're when you're a founder, like, yo, come check this out. I just want to come into your your organization and put my organization inside your organization. What do you think? And I'm like, nah, and nah, I'm not doing that. But there's something about when I was messaging her back and forth, I was like, okay, this lady's serious. It's like she's talking about health. She's not talking about dollars. She's talking about nothing. So I went up in and I. You know, she signed me up. I still got the membership to the day. Mm-hmm. I don't have any fees, no nothing. She'd made the deal with corporate. I get $20 taken out of my bank, which is very minuscule amount of a donation towards my own health. Right. You know, and I didn't even do nothing with it for like like eight months to a year. I was kind of like <laughs> avoiding her around the neighborhood, you know, and I, was trying, and I got some people signed up with it, and I don't know how long they stuck with it. But then I went into Crunch one morning and I seen her. And she smiled, and she was like, where you been? And I told her, and it was like the next day, I was like, man, she's going to be here tomorrow. I could tell. <laughs> you know, so I kept on going. My wife didn't understand because I tried the gym, and I quit, and I tried the gym, and I quit. Mm-hmm. And I just knew that that seed was planted because, you know, this is the thing about it. Even how everybody thinks I'm some kind of recovery giant, I'm just a man of recovery. Truth be told, mm-hmm. I was ready to quit doing a lot of stuff that I was doing. I was almost on the verge of selling Tribe. I, I was uninspired after COVID. I was in and out with my sponsor. We weren't meeting. I didn't like Zoom meetings. I was making a ton of excuses, but what really got me back into the situation that I'm in today that I'm back inspired was big on Chelsea and a guy named Ron Harrison. And I just didn't like who I was mentally and physically, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But every morning that pushed me like a meeting, I basically treated it like a 90 and 90. What a 90 and 90 is 90 meetings in 90 days. You know, and you really can't work 90 days straight when you've just been a worthless, right. non-moving person. So you kind of have to figure out what that looks like, but you don't want to miss a week. And it's been, what, three years now, and yeah. I have not missed a week. I've been all over he the country. great, too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. how I used to be. I mean, I was 340 pounds. I was big. I want you to explain to the, the crowd on, on that journey with yourself on that a little bit more and how that looks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just my mental health, my recovery, everything shot through the roof by the example of that. Because everybody that's listening, recovery is a we program. You can't mm-hmm. keep what you don't give back. That's right. You can't keep it. It's not yours. It's, it was. It was. It was. It was the chance that you were breaking down to your knees and praying to whatever you pray to, and even atheists are talking to God when it's that bad. That's right. You know That's I mean? right. <laughs> you can tell me you didn't, but I know you did. Yep. <laughs> you know. So, with that being said, you know I'm going to hand it back over to you. But I really appreciate that because yeah. you know I was on the verge of that thing, and I just had somebody that was like minded, and I do remember the first time because I knew there was something about it. What was cool? I signed up that first day, and he was your boyfriend at the time, and he was messing around you had a young younger kid there your daughter and she was trying to do the same movements that her dad was doing on the squat rack and it was just cool because she had her whole family there and she was talking about signing up and he's this big man he's real strong you know what i mean (laughs) and what even sold me even more when i finally started working out again is he got in a very very bad motorcycle accident and through health and recovery and all that stuff this man's like an alien. He snapped back like yeah. he was nothing. And yeah. he's bigger and better shaped than he ever yep. was before. Back on Harley. You know what I mean? Back yep. on a Harley doing his thing. You know what I mean? And that's and that's and that's that whole health and fitness. It's not just about sitting in a yeah. meeting. It's not just about recovery. Yeah. It's the whole encompassing. And that's what I wanted Chelsea on the show because you're seeing that and yeah. you're hearing that, y'all. Yeah. And if you go to the website, you can see that yeah. in the flesh on what she is and you know how to reach out to her right now because she's just she's medicine. Thank you. She's medicine for all of us and, and, and keeps that inspiration. Even when she's not happy, she'll, she's not going to take that smile off her face. She'll tell you if she's not happy, but she's still going to smile at you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. real. Well, so I'm glad that you brought that up, too, like, you know, because the journey when it comes specifically to fitness has so helped me, um, and it ties into recovery. Like, recovery and fitness are the same for me when it comes to mentality like so like you know Tomas was saying at my heaviest after I had my daughter I was 253 pounds Uh, this was nine years ago and uh, yes I lost a little bit of it in a very unhealthy way during that relapse but uh, even after I got out you know know, I was still I was overweight and uh, going through that journey um, the process right being patient trying to um change the mindset of instant gratification i was listening to a uh, bodybuilding podcast the other day and this guy put it perfectly addict in recovery and he's like you know bodybuilding fitness in general but bodybuilding he was saying specifically it's completely counterintuitive to what addicts do and what we are and what we want addicts want everything fast and easy to fix and feel a certain way uh you know like that 
bodybuilding, fitness, health, that kind of stuff, these goals, it's doing very, very hard things over and over and over for a very long period of time to maybe get what you want later. It's very opposite. It's very counterintuitive of what an addict's brain, the way it works. So for me, not only tip of the iceberg, you know, the vanity where it started as a young girl and and throughout this of wanting to look a certain way and and be healthy and be sexy and be attractive and be accepted and be one and blah, blah, blah. That's tip of the iceberg. Like that's sharing the top today is that I I like the way I look. But um, the biggest piece is that I've changed the way I think. Like exactly. I, I have routine, I have a uh, structure, I, I have discipline, I have motivation. Um, you know, I have uh, patience, I have uh, everything that I did not have before I put in the work and I didn't bypass the process again. Right. And I learned this through a very long period of time of, of failing and doing it again and failing and doing it again and learning and, uh, changing literally the way my brain the chemistry of my brain works and um you know it's also taught me um because i I struggle with i still to this day six years clean almost i still struggle with certain things um eating eating disorders i've had eating disorders my entire life um you know i I had uh bulimia and anorexia using meth to lose weight i'd call that a eating disorder when i was younger but um today you know i still from time to time struggle with binge eating and um but what recovery has taught me is that I can tune into the way that I think to see because to me I genuinely think like when I binge eat which I haven't done knock on wood in a long time um, it's like the relapse before the relapse so it helps me find like okay Chelsea you just binged what happened today are you tired did you sleep enough did you have a stressful day are you stuffing emotions and feelings did you have an encounter that maybe needs um you know some kind of ramification did you do you need to make amends somewhere do you need amends from somebody like what is it that caused you to seek something outside of yourself and act out you know what i'm saying versus putting a pipe in my mouth it might just be a pie (laughs) or peanut butters might always go to but um it helps me tune into my emotional thought process, right? And check in with like, okay, what could I have done better that day to make sure that I don't binge eat? Because it's the relapse before the relapse. And even though, um, you know, I'm healthier than I ever have been physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, I'm still an addict and I still need to do the work that got me here, I feel. And, um, you know, being able to check in with myself and uh, be aware of myself because I'm about as extreme as they get right now when it comes to fitness. I'm a, I'm a bodybuilder and uh, it's, one of the hardest things I've ever done and it's an extreme but even bodybuilding can be unhealthy so like I've had moments throughout this prep I started prep in December 1st and uh, I've had moments where I've caught myself where I'm so caught up in meal prepping and like getting my cardio in and get my workout in that my daughter's trying to show me something from school and I'm like I gotta, I gotta finish this I gotta finish this and I'm like not you know what I mean like an addict I gotta, I gotta get this hit I gotta get this hit and like I've had to take a step back and be like okay you can finish this later go tune into your family you know, because I can abuse and use and over obsess about anything. But if I wasn't still working a recovery program, and I do, I'm a big 12 stepper, I'm a big Narcotics Anonymous um, person. I work with a sponsor. I go to, I have a home group, I have a service position on top of working in recovery, because I think that's a big thing too for all my recovery people that are out there working. Your work is not your recovery. Exactly. Your work so is good. not your recovery. You need to separate things that you get paid for. Versus what your own recovery for, what your own recovery is, not the stuff that you you put out on blast that you're doing for people. Like, what is it that you are doing for yourself? So, question. I mm-hmm. got two, and I want you also to follow up on another thing. I want you to talk about your beautiful competition that you're about mm. to do. I just went to Seattle to the end. Was the NPC, NPC. and the Emerald uh, Cup? My, my nephew, huge man. He he looked great. By yeah, the way. you know what was cool about it. There was people on that on the on stage, and they were announcing their recovery date. A guy just got four years of the day that he competed, and t- I believe he took like second. It was awesome. Mm. Um, yeah, very disciplined. But my question is this: We see it all the time how people, men, and mainly females, when they get into first rounds of recovery, mm. binge eat. Mm-hmm. They do, it does something to their mentality. It does something to their trauma. Yeah. What would you say to that recovery woman, even girl that's under 18, that's experiencing recovery and is gaining weight, that just got done doing drugs, they're eating everything in sight, to get the balance recovery work and, and health and fitness? What does that look like from a female scope in your professional opinion? How, how do you look at that? How do you, how do you gauge that? 
first and foremost, be nice to yourself. Know that you are coming out of a very hard time and that when you get down to a biological level, your hormones and your 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 the way your body's functioning is not uh, regulated yet. So your everything is off. So you are, you know, you can get, I can get into a whole other podcast about this, but you are, um, your dopamine, your serotonin um, faucet, we'll call it, is broken right now. Uh, your receptors on what causes happy feelings are broken. So what we do, men and women, we latch onto things that, that deliver the serotonin and the, the endorphins and the dopamine. So that's going to be food, sex, uh, gambling, uh, shopping, all these things that we are still quote unquote allowed to do. And we're, if we aren't aware of it, we will obsess and we will overuse it. So that's why if you can dive into something that is less, uh, harmful (laughs) fitness, right? It's going to serve you more. Um, and so be nice to yourself. No, it's not a you thing that you are going through this and that you will balance out, but you got to put the work in too. You got to talk about it. You got to ask for help. Seek out. That's there's, that's why I'm here too, is to tell you about all these places. Uh, we offer stuff like this at the Hazelwork Community Center, the Phoenix Multi Sport, which was my bread and butter when I first got out. It's another awesome. program that offers. And that's the next fitness. thing I was going to ask you. Yep. How, how do we like say I need a support group? Say I don't like twelve steps. Yeah. You know, my father's got 40, 45 years clean, and he yep. tells me all the time, "Son, I love what you do. This, this, and that." He goes, "I'm just not the guy to drink about talk yep. about the drink that I had in 1977." There's so much. So he didn't want to really do twelve steps, all that kind of stuff. Before person that's in health you know you still gotta i want to know the difference between recovery and working out because mixing that as your recovery you know when when if you throw a hamstring right you break your shoulder something like that worst fear you know how how do you what is the difference the 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 common thread in between that so people so our listeners understand that it's a good question so i talk about this often i've created in six years a melting pot of recovery so when I first got out, I promised myself I was going to say yes to all the things. I went to all the meetings. I went to all the functions. I went to all the the, the community centers. I went to everything to find out what I liked because I wanted an army of support because I let go of everybody. All my people, places, and things this time, they were gone. Everybody but my daughter and my mom, my dad, my immediate family, and my ex-husband because he was the father of my child. Everybody else was gone. And um, I wanted to make sure I had an army of support. So I went to the Phoenix. I went to uh, all different types, 12-step meetings. I went to all the functions, all the barbecues. And I always tell everybody, say yes to everything in the beginning. Go figure out what you like. Go figure out what you don't like. Um, And then you can pick and choose what you like, what you want to keep. And you can redefine your quote unquote recipe of your melting pot of recovery. It doesn't have to be 12 steps. You get to create what your, your roux is for those that don't know if you're not Southern, like the base, right? You get to decide what your, your main three ingredients are. And then you can add a dash of this, and add a dash of this. Cause as your life changes, your interest in, in the, the functionality of things are going to change too. But I, I, the one thing that I do say that I see as a common denominator for people that are successful and that stay clean and stay not just clean but thriving right not just abstinent from using but thriving and enjoying life are people that have community some kind of community that they stay involved with um i that's a non-negotiable for me i I see that being something that's a staple for people just human beings in general um you know we need oxygen water food shelter and community addicts need it even more um, people getting out of incarceration need it even more. Um, it, it's it's very important to have that support. So seek it out and use it. And it is awkward when you first get out. It's like a little kid going to new playgrounds and asking to play and, and the fear of rejection, the fear of letdown. But get over it. Go do it. Get over it and go do it. Uh, you got nothing. You got nothing to lose. I promise you. And if you do, you're going to lose it anyways if you don't go do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's that's probably my biggest piece of advice. When it comes to, to people struggling with um, anything when you're first getting out is, is go find your people. Go find your community. That's The Sober Souls are one of the ones that pop to mind, too. You know, some of them work basic, pro, you know, the, the old-fashioned programs. A lot of them don't, but they always talk about them being their tribe. They found their tribe. They're, the recovery's fun. There's some cool-ass stuff I've done in recovery mm-hmm. that I n- I've never done before, and it, I wouldn't have done it without finding my people in recovery. I feel you. I mean— 12 steps, I've done rounds and rounds of 12 steps, uh, traditions. You know, my first sponsor, we hit it hard for the first eight years of, of my recovery. You know, I still have a sponsor today. I don't do, I, I 
don't do traditionally NA the way I used to, mm-hmm. but now I'm a Prince All Mason. You know, those that's a that's a very big dedication to community and mental and and spiritual values on that. You know, my father, 45 years uh, being a, a Knights of Columbus man. Mm-hmm. You know, over 45 years of recovery, but being Knights of Columbus probably for about the last 25. You know what I mean? And working out. You know, my mental health. I don't call it my recovery part. My recovery mm-hmm. is different. My mental health and keeping my PTSD and things to keep me balanced is mm. the gym in the morning. Yep. I have to. It's not about looking good. It's about feeling good and feeling strong. You know, that's that's the complex I had. I didn't have a vanity complex. I mean, you know me. I'm cocky. I'd be 400 pounds and I'll still try to pick up some any girl on the street. Yeah. You know, I, I got confidence. Yeah. But when you, a man, a guy like me, my insecurity when I don't have strength, Yeah. when I didn't have strength, when I couldn't use a wrench right, and I was losing everything, and I was, you know, I was, uh, then I did, you know, I lost all that weight, and I couldn't grip a wrench good, and I couldn't do anything right. I had to get back in. And that, and that really messed with my mental health. So I did, you know, inspiring through you and Ron, and, you know, now my, you know, that, it, you know, the recovery journey through, through mental, through, uh, through fitness, you know, my, my nephew, you know, in my new marriage, you know, not so new now, we're, you know, we're like, you know, we've been married for quite some time, but, you know, Billy, and me connected on a on a main level on that because that's that's just what we do. Now we have that conversation. It's you you meet that that family, you know, and it was it was fun because you know I walked around Seattle, and I'm sitting there, and they think that I, I was I was my nephew's trainer, mm-hmm. and I felt good that's because right. I you know what I mean. And I don't hit it like like if you see his trainer, yo, uh, lift in silence. That 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 little dude, he's he's something else. You know that's what right. I mean? But he's 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 definitely the trainer if we're standing next to yeah. each other. You know, but that's that's that thing. Um, but yeah, answering those questions is, indeed is is very very big, and uh, I'll hand it over to to y'all. But I just wanted to tell you thank you on the air, thank you for everything that you do for us out there. You know, there's it's uh there's not a lot of people that say it real that'll stick to it. You know, just like how I, when when I was in my first recovery journey, you know, I cleaned toilets too, I made pizzas, I did things, and mm. people thought I was crazy. I was like, why are you doing that? Like you you don't understand. Something's mm. talking to me. Yeah, something's talking to me. I'm yep. even talking to myself, saying, why are you doing yep. this? Yep. You know, but I'm here. You yep. know, and when you're at the gym, it's like I'm not getting stronger. I'm not getting stronger. Hey, I'm not getting stronger. Then six months later, I'm like, wait, I'm getting a little stronger. Then a year later, I'm. My wife's noticing. Then yep. two years later, and then the other day, she's like, no, you can't be wearing tank tops. You can only wear it around the house. I'm yep. like, she's just joking, but you know, and, and that stuff feels good because I never got to that point because I've always yeah. been a big man. But you know, with that being said, you got some things, Slim, because you know, we got a very unique, very awesome, hard-hitting uh, guest here. Well, I want to thank you, Chelsea, for coming in this morning. So um, we so could go another hour very easily talking to you. Um, but I learned a lot of things this morning and I really had to reflect on myself while listening to you speak because you gave me a strong reminder of so many things that I still need to work on. Mm. Um, I'll approach my seventh year of recovery will be in September. Congrats. And I think more so after speaking or listening to you speak, I think it's more of my seventh year of sobriety and I still have to continue to work on my recovery mm. because, um, you reminded me of a few things like my work is not my recovery. Like this program is not my recovery and I need to work on community and I need to make sure I'm not overindulging in food and sex and gambling. And I need to learn to say yes to everything. And you mentioned, you know, that you learned routine and structure and discipline and patience. And these are all things I wrote down because every time you popped up on one of these different things, I was like, I need to reflect on this and realize I got a lot of work to do. You know, I I can't sit here and just be so proud of my recovery all the time. And I need to realize that I still have a lot of work in my recovery. So this morning you opened my eyes to myself and, um, Tomas, what time you go to the gym in the morning? I'm there in between, you know, some days it flops. I'm there between sometimes they're at five 30, sometimes they're at eight, depends on the schedule. If I'm out of town, I, I'm, I work it out. There's two things that I find. Well, it used to be two things. Now it's three things when I go out of town. Cause everybody knows I travel a lot that knows me. I find a gym. Yep. I find a meeting. And yeah. I find a cigar shop. So it's kind of counterproductive. One's <laughs> the other one, but you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big cigar smoker. And you know what? And actually with the health that I do, I can smoke cigars because I smoke a whole lot less now. Yeah. <laughs> a whole lot less than I used to. And I actually enjoy them and I don't use them as, on an attic level. And because uh, you can't abuse yeah. anything, even just like health. Yeah. But yeah, the first thing that I do in the morning is I got to, 
I got to move. Yep. I got to add that to my list, too, so I can write that down with everything else that I wrote down this Come morning. Come take my class. You're always welcome. It's free. Definitely. Where? What, what gym are you at? So it's Hazelbrook Community Center. And where is this? It, right now, it's in Aurora, right off of Iliff and Buckley. However, we are moving to right near the Aurora Mall. I don't know the exact address. It's in the same shopping center as, like, the Chuck E. Cheese. All right. It's, 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 it's nice. one of those, it's meant to be my eye is what I'm hearing for myself. I don't know how it's hitting you this morning. but So I'll see you next Monday. Malhai, I hope that you you felt the same things that I felt today while listening to Chelsea speak this morning. Um, this is sharing our stories, and our guest has been Chelsea Secord from Aurora, Colorado. And thank you for inspiring myself. And Thanks I for hope having me. You're so welcome. And I hope that somebody out there is, you know, took some notes too, the way I did, whether those are mental notes or you wrote something down or typed it into your phone. If somebody wants to reach out to you about the gym, is there a way that they can reach you? Sure. Um, you can reach out to me on social media, um, either Facebook or Instagram platform. It's Chelsea Secord, C-H-E-L-S-E-A. Secord is S-E-C-O-R-D. Or you can always reach me through the Hazelbrook website, um, but you can probably get directly to me through a DM on one of those two social media platforms. Anything you would like to wrap up with, Tomas? Yeah, I just want to know uh, how how can we go support? Tell us about the competition, what the oh, date is. Tight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell so, us all about that. We all got to show up. Squeeze, awesome. squeeze it in. Shout out to my home gym at Armbrust Pro Gym. Amazing um, gym. <laughs> yes, it's a bad bad place, man. It's awesome. Uh, but it's going to be the Branch Warren Classic 2023. Uh, it's in Superior, Colorado. Uh, you can Google the Branch Warren Classic to purchase tickets. Um, I believe right now they're like thirty five and forty five for a morning and an evening show. Um, I will be doing, this is my first show ever, so wish me luck. I'll be doing a crossover for figure and women's physique. Hoping to play some women's physique because I want to keep getting bigger. So we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, come support, man. Cheer me on. If not, send some good vibes. You recover, you should be there. You yes. should be there. Yes. And if you're over a year, you should have a job that you can pay for a person that has under a year. That's you know right. how it goes. That's right. Pay <laughs> it forward. Pay it forward. Amen to that. Mahai, thank you for joining us this morning. This is Sharing Our Stories. You can find this program on our Facebook page. You can also find it at jammin1015.com and flowdenver.com. That's flodenver.com. Thank you for tuning in with this morning, and we hope to see you back here next Sunday morning, 7 a.m. We're sharing our stories. Have a great Sunday.